Uh, welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Glenn Schreiber, and I'm alongside my co-host, Andy and Ryan. We are three ordinary pastors from three different generations, comparing notes about life and ministry, and I'm glad you joined us today. Uh, at the beginning of each podcast, we like to illustrate our differing generational perspectives by uh, responding to a prompt. Uh, gentlemen, my prompt today is... Uh, Maybe this will work, maybe not, but I'm just thinking of, of air travel. Um, when, when did you take your first flight? And, and, and at what frequency uh, have you flown through your, through your life? Uh, my first flight, uh, I'm the oldest here. Uh, my first flight wasn't until I was in my mid-20s. I think my second flight might have been mid-30s. I don't think I traveled by airplane regularly really until my 50s. Um, and I'm just guessing that generationally, you guys have jumped on planes earlier and more frequently than I ever did. Well, I don't know if I can remember my very first flight, but uh, I can remember flying in elementary school. Um, at that point, we were living in the Midwest and uh, we had uh, grandparents. I had grandparents that were in California. And so we would go to see them frequently. A lot of times we would drive. Maybe that's a conversation or a road trip uh, question for a different day. But uh, I remember flying out there and that we would do about every couple years. Um, but then as I got older, I would say it's been pretty regular that at least one to two, maybe three times a year, I'm going to get on a flight to go someplace. Yeah. Um, definitely the craziest flights that I've been on have been some of those international ones mm. that have been in the you know, 15, 16, 17 hour flights. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't want to do those very often. <laughs> yeah. I've just done one of those. That was enough. Um, Ryan, how about you? You're the youngest among us. I'm similar to Andy though. I think I flew later than him. My first flight was with my dad and I believe I was somewhere around the age of nine, 10 or 11. He started working, um, remotely or he started, he started traveling for work a lot. So he had points and i went on one of his business trips to, to Raleigh, North Carolina. I've never been back to Raleigh. Um, I, you know, at the time it was, it was an exciting place an exciting, you know, event to fly. And I'm similar to Andy. I get on, you know, two, three flights a year. Um, and it's just kind of part of the world. Got the Southwest credit cards and points going. So once I accrue enough points, we try to get away and go someplace fun. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's definitely much more of our, our world rhythm today is jumping on those flights uh, than it ever was when, uh, when I was growing up. Well, speaking of prompts, um, the one that I'd like us to d discuss today is why do pastors quit? Um, what, are the drive and what are the driving factors be that prompt such thoughts and such decisions? Um, so just... Think about that for a moment, uh, gentlemen. I have, well, uh, have you thought about quitting? Uh, you were steeped into the pastoral ministry. Um, have you had uh, one? Yeah, let's just answer that. Have you thought about quitting? Uh, does every Monday count? <laughs> I knew we were going to go there. <laughs> so, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess the short answer is yes. I'm, I've, I've I've heard some Barna stats recently, which obviously they're you know they're big in stats in church world, and and they keep pushing. There's one of the podcasts I listen to is is from from the Barna group, and they keep pushing that like an extraordinate amount of pastors are thinking about quitting. And I'm going to say a stat, but let's be real, most stats are just made up on the fly. This one is it's it's somewhere like 
this stat is like 55% of pastors have really considered quitting. And I heard somebody push back on that. And I think it's kind of where Andy's going with this. It's like thinking of quitting. I think that's 100% of pastors have got to have a, there's got to be a better job and easier job. Yes. But at what point are you actually quitting? Like, have I ever written a resignation letter to my church? No. Have I ever stepped back on it? Yeah. Sunday night, Monday morning, I went, you know, painter looks really nice right now. Absolutely. Andy, have you had a serious conversation with your with your bride about quitting? Uh, we've talked at different times, just really in times of difficulty and stress. Um, you know, is there a different place, a different way? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know that we've ever had like super serious conversations about it um, that went just beyond the kind of normal everyday in the middle midst of stress. Yeah. And, and Ryan, I'm guessing you never had a, that serious of a conversation with your wife about quitting either. Uh, but then again, not, not in my current position, but in the, my previous position, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of those. Yeah. Those times of, I've, I actually, I actually turned in a resignation once for a previous position. So yes, I've, I've had those difficult moments. Yeah. Well, there's, and there's conversations about quitting the pastorate and quitting a position in the pastorate. Um, and, and really what I'm, what I'm looking at more today or want us to consider is, is what would get us out of the pastorate? What would be driving factors for ourselves or for those that we've seen around us that have driven us out of the, the vocational pastoral position? Hmm. Um, Andy, give us a couple driving factors that you've either felt or that you've seen that would take someone out. Well, I mean, I think one of them would be just relational damage. You know, that they've they've worked at someplace, they've been doing ministry, maybe in multiple places, and they just feel relationally beat up. And uh, and sooner or later, they kind of think about the fact that there's got to be someplace that I could go do a job um, and not get that same kind of emotional damage. Yeah. Um, I, I think financial stress is probably another one. Uh, I think most pastors uh, are kind of sitting at the edge, um, maybe like many people in our in our country where a, a difficulty or a, a debt or some of those things are piled on top of them and some other possibility might look a little bit better, um, kind of a the, not just the grass is greener, but the cash is greener someplace else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, uh, you're the youngest again, uh, but I'm sure you've visited with some others that have uh, that have left the ministry. What do you imagine were some of those driving forces that you've that you've heard about or that you're you're imagining? Yeah, it's been interesting. I've reconnected with some friends um, recently, and one of the major topics that we've had around those kind of reconnecting conversations is actually how many of our peers who either went to who we were in um, college with Bible college or seminary have already walked away from the faith, so mid thirties, and they're already. Um, and uh, some of them have walked away from just the ministry, full-time ministry. Others have walked away from both the ministry and the faith. And one of the major themes that we have seen is there's been so much, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, there's been so much discussion around deconstructing and there's been so many, um, criticisms thrown towards biblical truth, biblical, um, inerrancy, just the, the Christian culture, all of that, where they have, they've, they've been kind of trusting in 
not not necessarily Christ, if you will, but have been trusting in the evangelical foundation of just and culture that that America is so known for that when they start to poke holes in it, they realize there's actually not a foundation on, underneath that. So one of the reasons that they've walked away from the faith is well-meaning congregant members have walked up to them and asked hard questions, real questions, legitimate questions. And when they've kind of reached back for their, let's say, canned answers, or when they've stepped back to consider an answer, they realize that what they've been taught, what they've been believing in, kind of how they've been um, trained to answer doesn't satisfy. Then they just go down this hole of like, wait a second, if that doesn't satisfy, then what does satisfy? And then they walk away from church and then walk away from Christ in, in general. And it's, it's really been really hard to hear about just the number of people that we have been able to identify and go, yeah, no, they're not, they're not a ministry um, any longer, or they're not even believing any longer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a a lot of, one of my favorite sayings is life is managing expectations. And, and so we have expectations when we enter any 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 job position, you have expectations that take you into that, and then if you see they don't they don't match up or don't meet, um, is the is the pastoral ministry that you're experiencing today what you thought it would be as you came in, and and if it if it hasn't been, how have you managed those expectations to, to where you've stayed in? Well, I I'll think, let you go, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I think every guy that comes into the pastorate has some level of idealism. I mean, they, they come in uh, probably rightly so thinking, man, I, I want to go and I want to be effective for the kingdom. I want to uh, teach and preach. Uh, I want to, you know, counsel, love people and have this sense that they're going to be able to uh, make a difference. Um, at the worst end of it, I think some guys come in with a savior complex that they kind of mm-hmm. almost look past Christ and say, I'm going to be the one that's going to save people. Yeah, Christ is going to do it. but you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the instrument or um, guys come in with a, you know, I'm going to be the next uh, Spurgeon. You know, I'm going to I'm going to preach these timeless sermons that are going to get published or this is going to be, you know, launching of a, you know, a career or a, a, a ministry. And when those things don't happen, it becomes an identity crisis, I think. Yeah. And I, I think for me, that's been one of the things I've have to really kind of come to a come to a a realization, hey, you know what? I don't think anybody is ever going to publish my sermons um, or care to publish my sermons. And you know what? That's okay. Um, And I have, hopefully will, over the course of ministry, have an effect and an encouragement to people, but it may be, you know, much more minuscule than I would have thought. Um, I think seeing getting the change from seeing the difference in these as these big explosive things to seeing the difference in people's lives on the small scale makes you change that perspective a little bit. Um, and just kind of getting some of those getting humbled, I, yeah. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Uh, Ryan, any, any thoughts when it comes to the expectations and. Yeah, I, I, I want to be gentle towards, my training and the institutions that I went to for training. But one of the things I've, I've had to identify early on as a senior pastor, I'm just coming to in the last three years is how I was not equipped and trained to be a pastor. I was equipped and trained to be a theologian in some sense, I was equipped and trained to be a, a, a preacher, a communicator, 
but not a pastor. And kind of to where Andy went so often got like my, and I'll, I'll just talk about, I got into ministry thinking, okay, I, I want to be one of these guys that I see on social media. I see at a conference, I see in a book in a sermon. Like I, I, it's, it's like, I want to go be the Spurgeon. And there's a, the Lord, the Lord clearly uses those individuals. And there's clearly a, a, a group of those guys that have a platform that's far greater than anything I will ever have. And the Lord will use in ways that in, 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 in very, you know, um, profound ways, but the vast majority of pastors, you never know their name. You never hear their sermons and, and their goal is just to keep preaching the gospel faithfully in their church and they will die and some other person will come along and I'm realizing that five years later, no one will hear about them. And this really hit me when I was early on in my, in my pastorate here. We have one founding member of our church um, left alive. Her, her husband passed away about uh, five years, five to seven years ago, and she's the last founding member. And it's been a joy to know her and have conversations with her. And she knew me when I was a kid. So there's also that struggle where I'm the young 30-year-old. She's 95. She flat out to my face said, Ryan, I love you, but I can't consider you my pastor because I, I just, you're, you're too young. And I was like, I get that. And I asked her, I said, what, what is your pastor? And she said her pastor wasn't the guy that I replaced. And it wasn't the guy that he replaced. It was the guy that he replaced that it was the four pastors ago. And oh, I what? think his name is Tom. And she goes, Tom was my pastor. I think his name is Tom. And, but this thing's like, I forget the guy's name, but he was four pastors ago, but he was 40 years ago. And he goes, he was my pastor. He taught me. He built my, he like, in, in her words, like th the Lord used him to strengthen my faith. He was my guy. And I'm thinking, I want to be that guy where in, you know, Lord willing, if Community Bible Church is still around 40 years from now, somebody's going to go, who? And just go, I got to be pastored by this no-name pastor who faithfully served every single week, got up in that pulpit and pointed to Christ. And, but that's not the model that we are given in our training, we're given this, you're going to go be the celebrity pastor. When that doesn't work out, then guys don't have anything to fall back on because they got into it for the pomp and circumstance instead of going, no, I just have to tell people about Christ. Yeah, I think that that identity crisis or that point of really having to, to, to realize why, who am I and why am I in this position is so, is so necessary to wade through. And and, uh, but we can't, uh, uh, we can't determine when that's going to hit us, when that's going to come. It, Cause, uh, you know, I, I see there's three, there's three uh, key result areas I see for our, for our pastorate. Uh, we, we, we want to be that preacher teacher. We want to be that, that sh pastor shepherd. And, and we're looking, and people are looking for us to be that leader. Um, now, those are three huge areas of delivering a sermon, delivering care, and delivering solid leadership to go. And not all of us are gifted on a one to ten scale. Not all of us are in the seven, eights, and nines on that. And uh, and where are we going to feel the stress? And where are we going to hear all the challenges are going to be from from those areas that we're we're feeling the weakest in, or maybe uh, didn't get the training for, or whatever. And uh, it's it's such a challenging position that pastors have placed themselves into that uh, uh, it's very understandable that we come to those Mondays and we, and we have to wrestle with, with that question. Uh, so when you get to that Monday, Andy and, and Ryan, what do you, 
what pulls you back? What gets you to Tuesday? And uh, and it gets what rhythms have you learned? What 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 thinking have you come up with that have helped you to uh, to stay in the game and keep at it? Well, I would say uh, some of it is relationship, and and I would say relationship with other pastors. I think an isolated pastor is a dangerous a, a dangerous thing, and uh, even just this last week, uh, you know, this we're. We're recording post Easter, and uh, I was kind of interacting with a with a friend of mine uh, over Easter, and and uh, he messaged me, and you know he got one of the you're the worst worst pastor. How could you do this? I'm going to leave your church the day after Easter. Oh my! And I'm just thinking, you know, hap- happy Easter, um, but uh, the the whole thought of hey, we have somebody to share this with. Um, now, I, I think it can be dangerous because I think oftentimes we sit around and we grumble to one another uh, about our congregations or our difficulties. Um, I think there's there's a place for that and there's a place for coming around a brother and putting your arm around him. Yeah. But there's also a place of encouragement, like, you know, hey, you can continue to do this. Um, but I, I think there's also a, a a need to say, okay, when when is it time to step back? When is it time to to consider something different. Um, I've had the opportunity and I would even say the privilege to pastor several uh, people that have been in the pastorate and out. And I'm, I'm glad that they chose to take that step back because I think they would have been done greater danger to their souls and to the souls of the people that they were pastoring, that they didn't do that. So I wouldn't also want to communicate to somebody like, no, stay in this, this, you've got to keep doing this. I think there's times and seasons for for people to step back. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good word. I'm, brought, I'm glad you brought that out, uh, Ryan. How about yourself? What uh, what what brings you back Tuesday? I think the idea of calling. Um, I didn't grow up in a tradition that um, really sunk their teeth into the a calling into pastoral ministry. Yes, we use that word. There's this there's this innate desire to go into ministry, but the idea and, 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 and having the identity of I'm called to this. Um, I'm, I've been, I've been contemplating these things. This isn't a, this isn't a complete thought at all. I'm contemplating these things of the, the idea of when you have the bad day of, of standing in a position of the Lord has called me to endure this struggle. And the Lord has called me to serve this church. The Lord has called me to lay aside my identity, safety, passions, whatever it is to do this thing. Because just think about how crazy it is. The, The idea of being a pastor is absolutely crazy because we have signed up for people for serving a group of people that at any moment has the privilege and opportunity of turning around and criticizing our service and walking away. But we can't walk away. Hmm. Like I, I recently got one of those letters, Andy, that, that you were talking about. And I was just thinking, I was like, you have the privilege of walking away from this. I, I will keep serving. And, and yes, as pastors, we, we do have that moment. I think that it's a whole nother conversation on podcast of when, when is it the right time to say, you know, draw the line in the sand and the pastor to say, this isn't for me, but, it's a different calling a pastor 
and even as a different calling as elder, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it is a different calling. And I think we have to look back to our calling. The Lord has called me to this place for this season and I will endure. Yeah. Yeah. By his strength, by his, all the, I should, that's all the footnotes of that. It's not my strength. It's his strength, but I'll, I'll, I'll stand fast in his strength. Yeah. Very important. Very important. You know, I looked, I looked up to, you know, why, why pastors quit. Um, Number one was burnout, just overworked, just, just, just burdened uh, from the, from the very, from the, from the time element as well as from the emotional and all the all the uh, the situations that they're in, um, and then just not knowing where to go for help, which you guys already talked about, just the importance of being able to have someone you can go to and, and to share the burden. Uh, one of the reasons pastors quit is is uh, there's a moral failure; um, they have disqualified themselves, and uh, we certainly don't want to get there. And uh, and a part of that again is probably just standing alone. Not not being in a position to be able to bounce off some things and getting caught up in things that you that, that uh, you just shouldn't. Uh, a third is just, uh, and I'm getting close to this, is just aging out. Uh, there's a point to where you just uh, when do you, when do you decide that uh, it's time to, to to leave the professional ministry uh, vocational and just uh, do it as a lifestyle. As uh, some pastors are forced out, uh, we probably know of those situations where something happened. Uh, and leadership has uh, turned against them or something has happened there and, and they've been forced out. Um, and then again, you know, there are just situations where a pastor, you know, you take, you take the top, those top ones I've mentioned, especially the, the burnout side of things, or you're going through a real difficult time or being forced out. And just, there's just, it's just affecting my family so negatively. I just don't want to put them in this position any longer. You know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're in the people business and and we can be, we can get into some ugly situations and, and there are some legitimate times that we just do need to step back and step out possibly just to, uh, to, to save, as Andy, you said, save our own souls and, and those of our loved ones around us. Um, what, what, uh, what encouragement, what advice would you give as we, uh, as we finish out this segment to those pastors who are at that point, you know, it's, it, it's, it's now Wednesday, it's Thursday and I'm still thinking about this and it's, it's getting harder and harder to, to uh, just step back into that pulpit or to go into that elders meeting or to, to make that hospital visit. Um, some suggestions, some encouragement that you would give to, to those that are in that position. Well, I would start with having them ask themselves the question and hopefully in conversation with somebody else, who are you? Um, because I, I, I think for me, I had to come to the, come to the position that I had to answer that question as I am ultimately a child of God. You know, mm-hmm. I'm ultimately a, a redeemed child of the King. And I, yes, I am a pastor. That's what I do. Um, if you want to use the language of calling, uh, he's called me to be that in his kingdom. But ultimately, I'm a child of God. And whether I, you know, am, am uh, behind a pulpit or I'm not, that remains the same. Um, and so I think if that becomes clear, Mm-hmm. then it, it changes the perspective a little bit um, because I think we get so wrapped up in the fa- fact that if I'm not a pastor, what am I or who am I or what am I going to look like or what am I going to do? Um, then I, I think that that's such an important question um, that, that a pastor needs to get solidified in their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, any thoughts that you have towards an encouragement to those out there? It's interesting that I'm I'm coming at this conversation as the youngest from a little different perspective. Where one of the things I've had in my mind is 
I'm, I'm hearing and I'm reading about so many pastors who go through that, kind of what Andy was just speaking about, that, that moment in their ministry where they're forced and they're stretched and pressed into identifying who they are, where they find their, their identity, their passion, their purpose. And they come out of that on the other side with a resolve to be who God has them to be that as a younger pastor, my fear is I'm still actually running, if I can be vulnerable, that I'm running after the wrong things. Mm. And um, as I'm interacting with, I've, I've, I've just been reading various books about pastors who have hit burnout or have, or have failed for whatever reason. And then, and, and then the Lord uses that to shape them. And, and, I, and so in that way, the sermon that I hope to preach to myself when I hit that moment is this. Maybe the pain is what the Lord is going to use to make you the pastor that he wants you to be. Yes. So instead of running from it and not learning the lesson that he has you to learn, Mm. sit and allow him to do the work in you that he needs, that he needs to do in you. Mm. And I say, that's the sermon I'm preaching to myself because I, so I am like, and that's the sermon you can preach. You guys can preach to me when you see me going through that. Cause I need that where it's, because I know that there will be far more difficult scenarios in my, in my ministry than even what I've gone through. But instead of running from that pain, asking the question, what's the Lord trying to, to teach me here? Mm-hmm. And what's the lesson for me? And then to going back to maybe it's not quitting ministry. It's maybe it's the Lord has me learn this lesson in this particular church. And I'm going to, and he's going to put me in another congregation where I can better serve because of that. So it's not leaving the ministry entirely. Maybe it's just leaving the situation. So that's what I would have to say. You know, our, though, though our, our profession isn't an easy one, the people that we serve that, who are in our congregations aren't in easy professions either. And, uh, and I'm sure they're facing these same questions. might come from a different point of view or a different set of circumstances, but they're also thinking about, do I keep going? Do I quit? How, do, how am I supposed to be thinking about this? And, uh, and obviously this is where, because we, we are, we are human as well. And we, uh, uh, we're wrestling with this. Uh, we can serve each other in this way. And, uh, you guys have some really important words for that. I'm also thinking of, uh, of our, of our spouses uh, and our families, um, you know, as they're, as they're, uh, uh, as they're living the same life with us, you know, what are their thoughts on, on the Mondays or whatever, as they've had to endure the weekend. Uh, with us, or they have, or they are aware of the, uh, or it might be Tuesday after an elder meeting, and we come back. So, you know, there's some there's some challenges uh, that our families go through, and our spouses. Both they're the ones that are that are certainly encouraging us and helping us to to stay in this game, so to speak. But they have their own challenges, and uh, really important to be sensitive to that as well. Any thoughts on that, man? Somebody asked me this question, and it's around that subject, and I'd actually love to get your guys. Um, input on it. So about spouses quitting, if your spouse decides to either press pause on attending church mm. or even says, I'm out, does that inherently mean that the pastor has to quit or stop or follow her? Is there ever a time when the pastor can continue and the wife can go, I can't go to church right now for whatever reason? Is that an automatic, does, does the spouse hold that, that kind of weight and that trump card for the pastor? Sorry that I turned that question on you, Glenn. No, that's important. Andy, you want to jump on that? 
Man, I I wouldn't want to presume to give a, a total answer to every scenario. Yeah. But it, it definitely would give me great pause. And I would really have to think it through if if that was the case. Um, because there's something significantly wrong either with that that spouse or the relationship or both. Um, and so I, I don't know if it would be automatic, but man, it would definitely be a point of some serious um, evaluation. Absolutely. That, it, just, it just begs so many questions and so, so much investigation, like you've said, that would go into that. I have seen that play out. Um, and the situations where that has occurred, um, yeah, it just, there needed to be just a lot of attention given given to that. So I'm not going to say, yeah, it's an automatic out, but it is an automatic. Let's, let's, we need to talk about this. We need to see what, what is it? And, and I can certainly see temporarily where, where it could be, uh, you know, the, the proper move to make, but to live in that for a, for a longer period of time and have that be, that's hard for me to, to imagine what that scenario might be. So it sounds like I gave the right answer because my, my <laughs> solid answer was, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I'm glad that there's not a solid yeah. yes or no there. Yeah, let's talk. And, and, and really, I think that's, let's just leave this uh, segment with that in the sense of uh, what I'm hearing from all of us is we just do not want to, we don't want to be left alone in this. We need to find, we need to find people to walk through these, uh, this, this position with, these opportunities with. Uh, who can we talk to when we get to that that position? Uh, are there are there trusted relationships that we can bring into this conversation when we get to those points where we're really seriously thinking about about taking taking the uh, the way out? Because um, I think a lot of a lot of the stuff that we go through can be prevented if we have those kind of trusted relationships that are that are engaged with us that are confidential and just being able to be straight up with. Um, mm-hmm. I have you know hopefully. Uh, those listening to us that are that are in that are in pastoral positions, uh, that if you don't have a relationship with someone, uh, or you're siloed off, or you want to talk to someone even outside that, you know, just find a way to contact us and to be engaged with that, or or, or seek out uh, whatever association or network that you're in and see if there's some help that you can find there. I did come across another ministry that's not associated with any network, but it's called StandingStoneMinistry.org. StandingStoneMinistry.org. And, uh, and there's, they just want to build trusted, confidential relationships with pastors and ministry leaders just to be able to help them to be able to, uh, to wade through and to get through uh, just some of the challenging times that we're all going to face at one point or another. So, man, thanks for this. Uh, everyone else, thanks for listening in. And uh, if there's anything that we can do as these three guys uh, to, to serve you in any way, please get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.